I'm honored to bring up one of the elders of our church, Phil Morgan, and he's going to present us with his life story. Phil? Thanks, Mike. Mike, stay up here for a second, will you? Give me a pound. Stay right here. Can, uh, if you're a table leader here, can you stand up for me? If you're on the audio you mic me up. Shiloh, Josh, stand up. If you're on the camera, stand up. Anybody on the men's leadership team here that's not a table leader? Bill Adams, you want to stand up for me? I see you back there. You know, I'm asked to give my testimony today, and like it's already been talked about, these guys right here, you never go through life or walking through the Lord without fellowship and without leaders and without mentors. So none of these guys asked that I recognize them this morning. Mike Murray's been doing this for almost 10 years now, a decade. These guys know, and I want you to talk about, I want you to talk to them about it. Ministry is hard. Walking with the Lord is hard. Coaches being recognized for almost 65 years and coaching in eight decades, it's hard. None of the story you're going to hear about today is about me. None of the stories you hear about in this room are about the men staying here. They just had the courage to lead. God called them or ordained them. So what I'd like you to do now is if you can give them all a round of applause. I just want to thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank all your leaders for everything that you've done. It's not easy to get here for 10 years to pray and to plan and to put this on so that we have a place where men can come to be authentic, to be raw, and to grow in God's Word is precious. I look at Jason. I've walked with Jason for a long time, haven't I? And even though he thought he, I was mentoring him, he was actually mentoring me. Amen. Right? So we are all one. We're all one at the foot of that cross. So today I was asked to give my story or give my testimony of how God is, has worked through me over the years and how I was living before, after, and how God has changed my life. I don't think you're going to hear anything unique. I always say I don't have a unique story in my body. I don't have a unique thought. It's something the Lord has put on my heart, something one of you men have taught me, something that I've read in a book, and more importantly, something God's taught me through His Word. So my story is going to be very similar to all yours. Mike asked me to, Michael asked me to talk about three distinct areas, and I really want to spend a lot of time at the end and not the beginning. So one of it is, how, how was I living before my repentance and following Jesus Christ? Repentance is something, an interesting word, right? It means stop and turn away. So in order to be changed, in order for God to move us, we have to recognize first and foremost we're sinners. Whether you're a table leader, whether you're new to the Lord, it's something that always keeps you humble. So, in short, I can be done in about five minutes. I was a pagan. I was living a world that really I was the God, I was the center. No different 
than any of you. A bit of background. I grew up in a loving family. I grew up in a Catholic home, a devout Catholic home. We never missed mass, holidays, or anything. So I grew up knowing who Jesus was. He was all over the Catholic Church on the crucifix. I understood how to pray. My mom would tell me at a very early age, you don't pray just when you're worried. You don't pray when you're nervous. You don't pray when you're uncertain. You also pray and give praise. I also, through vacation Bible schools of Protestant churches around my way, also was getting the gospel very clear. So from an early age, God was definitely working on me. And then as I grew, grew up, started in my professional career in the 80s, I got into a career that basically promoted idols, cars, women, clothes, houses, everything that's external, everything that's an idol, everything that's temporary, everything that'll burn up. And when you chase those things, and sometimes when you get them, which many of you know, you find out it's hollow. Is there more to this than just what this world is telling me? It gets tiring because the world keeps changing what it means to be successful, right? Height, weight, hair, clothes, eyeglasses, cars, shoes. It's always changing. As we go through every experience in our life and decades in our life, we can find ourselves worrying. We can find ourselves aspiring to get to the next stage of life. But God has us in the stage of life always to serve Him. And in every stage and in every life, part of that life, there are challenges, trials, and tribulations. So the question is, and the question I had to ask myself, and many of you have had to ask the same question, who am I going to serve each day? Myself? My goals? Am I going to be the underdog? And if it's up to me, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. We all love the underdog stories, right? Rocky, remember the Titans, Cinderella Man. I mean, those movies get me excited. But their absence of what really is the power behind that and what really is the changing force. And that's Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Everything else is hollow. Everything else will be destroyed. So how do I come to the Lord? My conversion was not one Paul. Mayan, which was dramatic, Mayan was more of a series of events. And one quote that I like, and I had to look it up last night to figure out who it came from, and I'm sure you heard this. It read, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Jonathan Edwards. Man, that is humbling. If you think about that every day, it's humbling. Humbling. So it was a process. It was, it was a process over many years. It was at a very young age. I always remember for whatever the reason, but now I know the reason. The Holy Spirit was working on me from a very young age. When I was in that Catholic church, I was an altar boy until I was 18. 
I was like six foot and taller than most of priests. So it was very interesting to let you know how ingrained I was in Catholicism. So I, I always was questioning, like, why? And I was always questioning, and even to this day, if I'm learning these things and I'm understanding who Jesus is, God's always put on my life, how do I apply that in my daily life? Every day, how do I proclaim the gospel? How do I reflect it? So over 25 years ago, if I have to put a flag in the ground, over 25 years ago, I attended an event and participated in an event with an organization that my wife was a part of. It was a Christian Businesswoman's Association. And at that association, and at that meeting in Cherry Hill, it was a fundraiser. And of course, they had a guest speaker. And the guest speaker was from WFIL. He was an executive from WFIL. I wish I could remember his name, but that's not the important part. The important part there was he gave his testimony at the right time for me. God had me in the right seat on the right date to hear this man to say about how he was chasing, reached the epitome of his career, and found out he had nothing. And he gave his testimony, and he asked that those at prayer, he asked those who have never, <clears throat> excuse me, prayed the sinner's prayer to pray it. And that basically changed my life, but it wasn't a complete conversion. I knew I was changed, but I still wasn't in a deep relationship with the Lord. So you see, it's a journey, and it was a process for me. It wasn't abrupt and distinct and quick, and it's still not. God's working in my life every day to refine me, to sanctify me, and I would say the way he does that every day, guys, I mean, he, he humbles me every day through problems, uh, through victories, um, through a lot of different ways, but he, but he humbles me. So after I said the sinner's prayer a long time ago, I used to run. I used to run marathons, half marathons, and do endurance sports. No more, at least not yet. I want to get back to that. But when I used to run, I used to run. God would have it where I was running a route, and I would go by a church. And after I said that sinner's prayer, I have no idea where it came from except for the Holy Spirit. I used to pass the church, and I would just say, Lord, take my mind, my body, and soul, and do with it what you want. Now, after learning Scripture and after praying, I knew that I was surrendering. Then I didn't. I just was still seeking, but that's where God had me, and that was okay. So after the birth of my second daughter, I came home, and I said to my wife, I'm going to leave the Catholic Church. And she said, Thank God, an answer to prayer. Many, many years. Now, one thing you got, there's a few things I want to clarify. I had nothing against the Catholic Church at all. They didn't do anything wrong. What I found out later, as you look back and reflect and watch God's silent hand on you and moving you, and you have to understand, he moves you through the helper of the Holy Spirit he left us. He was just bringing me into an environment that I could start studying his word, where I could have fellowship. My desire was not that I was leaving something, but I was going to something. And the reason my wife said, thank God, because she wasn't raised in the Catholic church. She was raised in a Protestant church. When she came to live with her father, they're divorced, and she met me, she started going back to the Catholic church. 
So I was going to the church, and even then, I guess I was having, a, God was using me an influence because she started going to the Catholic church with me. And understand, as also, give you a little glimpse, I used to go out and party Friday and Saturday nights, but I used to go to Mass at 12 o'clock on Sunday, sometimes hungover. And that was kind of the salvation, right? I would go in and say, all right, I just need to clean up for this hour. I'll do this, and I'll pray, and i go on. So that's the way I was living. After the prayer and after lots of prayer, my wife was saying, thank God, because she was missing and yearning, understanding and being taught from the Word, and not being encumbered with um, traditions and things to that nature. So let's spend a little bit, the last 10 minutes here, last seven minutes, I should say. How's God changed my life? I've shared some of that already. It's in more ways than I can ever tell you. So what you're going to get today is basically what God has changed me, you know, most recently in my last few years here. I know the one thing, what God's done for me, I am a worrier, borderline anxious every day. Some of it is because I want to be perfect on things. Some of it is because I want the results quick and I want them yesterday. The other part of it is I want to know my kids are going to be okay. I want to know that I can pay my bills. I want to know that I'm going to be appreciated every day. I want, to, I want every day to be encouraged. Now, I know what Scripture tells us in Isaiah is that man is nothing more than what? A breath in your nostril, in our nostrils, right? We're temporary. So if I go out every day and I'm looking to be satisfied by man, I know I'm going to be failed. And this is part of the Scripture that God has called me to, and it's one of my verses. So what I'm getting at here is that every day, to the best of my ability, I wake up and I rest in my new identity in Jesus Christ. Because I accepted Him, I asked Him, I surrendered to Him as my Lord and Savior. I've trusted Him as my Savior. I'm following Him as my Lord. We say Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. You've heard me say this before, I'm sure. We like the Savior part because through that blood of Christ, we have eternal salvation, and every day I wake up, and if you're a follower of Christ, we stand on victory on the blood of Christ that was at Calvary. Amen? So we don't come from fear. We don't come from timidity. We don't come from arrogance. We don't come from pride. We come from knowing that we were bought by the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am a slave, and he is my Lord. I have to take on the new identity each and every day. So that's some of the highlights. So if we go to John 16, 33, and I guess they're putting it up on there or slide something. <clears throat> John 16, 16, through 33 are words that Jesus gives us. Some could say they're encouraging. Some could say they're discouraging. I would say to you, they're encouraging and they're discouraging in the flesh. Behold, in the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace in this world, that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Every day, men, we put our feet to the ground. And we have to make a decision, are we going to be a follower or are we going to be a leader? Are we going to follow Jesus Christ or are we going to be led by our flesh, by our sin, and by 
the way of this world. One way leads to eternal salvation, to joy. The other way leads to sin and death. We have to make that decision daily. So behold, the hour is coming indeed. It has come when you will be scattered. We all go home. We all are by ourselves, but we're not because we have banded brothers. We have guys we can call and text. We're not to be alone. So Jesus says, each to his own home, and you're going to leave me alone here. But you know, when I go up on that cross, I'm not alone. And this is what I remember. Because my Father is with me in every situation. In the trials and the tribulations that I face, they don't define me, but they prepare me. Prepare me for the day in which I will be called home. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things, that in me you may have peace. Notice the word may. That's a decision we have to make. We have to make that decision, and when we have the trials and tribulations, to who we're going to serve, and will we proclaim the gospel that day in our actions and in our words and what we're going to say. These are the questions I ask myself, and I'm sure many of you do as well. The discouraging part. In the world, you will have tribulation. So I say to myself, why do I complain? Why do I worry? Why do I get caught up on what's going on? Why do I care about politics? Why do I care about the current events and the sin du jour of this particular decade? or this year, this day, this month. Why do I worry? Because he tells me right in here, in the world you will have tribulation. You will have trials. In the trials and tribulations is when God is glorified. In the trials and tribulations, if we care to recognize that Jesus is standing next to us, he will be glorified. Where it goes south on me is when I push him away and I want to take control through my pride, through I think who I am, that I think I have the answers and I'm not going to prayer. Years ago, I would just say, I'm just going to cowboy up, put my big boy pants on, strap on my boots and get at it. I don't do anything before prayer now. I don't do any, I'm an impatient guy. God has taught me to be patient and wait on the Lord. That's not easy to do, but he's changed me in that way. Through that, he's given me great wisdom. He's given me great victory. And he's changed me. Because he tells us that, take heart. I've overcome this, wor I've overcome this world. So that's how, that's my story. And it's not my story. It's God's story of how he's worked through me. Michael asked me to talk about how I've persevered and how I've failed in staying strong in my faith. I recognized and asked the gentlemen today to stand up who are leaders. And we're all leaders. Don't get this twisted. Every man in here has influence over their wives, over their children, their grandchildren, their co-workers. You don't need to be a table leader. You're a leader. 
when you walk out of here, you represent someone. That someone is Jesus Christ. You're going to influence somebody one way or another. Words, actions. Make sure you're thinking, who am I serving today and what's my motives? It's through the trials and tribulations, I would say, of serving that God has had the greatest impact on my life in serving in ministry. If you haven't served, please serve. Ask God to use you in some way. What was it, Monday night? We were, a lot of us were here when Pastor Seth gave a vision and encouragement and saying that there's a lot to do. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Don't allow the inner critic of Satan to tell you you're disqualified, that you're not smart enough, you're not tall enough, you don't know the Bible. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandments, the first one was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And what was the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say, <clears throat> he didn't say, make sure that you're doctrinally sound in everything you do. Now, again, don't get this twisted what I'm saying. If you don't know this and you don't know God, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor. And you're not going to be in a strong relationship. It's like saying I'm married and I never go home and I'm just going to Zoom with my wife. It just, that marriage isn't working. You got to read this. You got to have your quiet time. You got to spend time to grow that relationship. Spend time being quiet to allow God to speak to you. So, in closing, I just would like to say a prayer with you. And I'm actually going to read lyrics of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. So, if you would just bow your heads with me, allow me to say these lyrics and let them wash over you. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter blind my wandering heart to thee. Yes, Lord, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's our heart. O oh, Lord, take it. Seal it. Seal it if for thy courts of above. Lord, we come here before you now. A great God. And God, we recognize we are sinners. God, we ask that you forgive us for our sins. God, we know your Son, Jesus Christ, died on that cross for our sins. And on that third day, you resurrected him. You brought him back to life. God, this morning, I want to trust your son Jesus as our Savior, as my Savior. Starting today, Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, please teach me and guide me what your will is for me that I can go forward each and every day. Many of you men in this room 
Lord, you know, have prayed this prayer before. If you prayed it for the first time, I ask that you would talk to a table leader. I ask, Heavenly Father, that through the Holy Spirit, you would change those who have never known you. I pray that you encourage, equip, and mobilize the body of Christ for the harvest which is plentiful. So Lord, we thank you for this day and the bounties of which you provided for this room and for all that you've done through your Son, Jesus Christ. And all God's men said, Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you, Phil. And thank you for all the ways you've served God. I'm so glad you're, on, you're an elder of our church. So we're going to go into discussion now. Uh, remember, the main thing in this discussion, if you need prayer, please ask for it. Don't walk out of here. If you need private prayer, want to come up and talk to one of the leaders here, feel free to do so. But right at your table, if you need prayer for anything. And, and I, I love when Phil talked about um, how it's easy to get caught up in the rat race. And I love the quote that said, when I finally thought I was winning the rat race, along came more rats. Right? And so that's not the answer our own personal goals, our own personal strategies. It's abiding in Christ and taking his direction each and every day. All right, guys, next week, we're going to start a brand new series. Okay. And it's going to be called to repent. And we just honored coach Jim Horner, and he's going to come and talk to us next week. So don't miss it. God bless you all. Have a great week.